Hi, this is Matt Shaw, pastor at City Lift Church. If you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love for you to come visit us on a Sunday sometime or join us online, citylift.church. We hope today's message fills you with courage and helps you on your spiritual journey. We exist just to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus. Enjoy today's message. All right, good morning again. Why don't you turn to two or three people? Welcome them to church really quick. All right. We are excited. We are wrapping up our collection today on clean. It's really been a series, I guess, about holiness is kind of kind of where it's gone. It's kind of funny. We started out really not knowing where we were going to go with this thing, and we just kind of God guided it kind of a week at a time, so it's, it's been fun. Uh, man, my wife and I are tired. My wife preached at a conference last night. They didn't get out till midnight. I'm like... We took that thing like camp meeting style. It was fun. We were out way past our bedtime. Anyway, it was great. So we had fun. She did a great job. In fact, you're preaching like in a few weeks, right? I think you're on the calendar. She goes, I am. Yeah, she's coming up. So if you know the two of us, she's way more fun than I am. Like I grew, I, didn't, I don't have a lot of personality. I really don't. Like, I, like I'm a weird person. She's helped me over 20 years get like more and more normal. I still say things. She's like, why the heck you say that? That's not normal. Like, I don't know. Like, but no, you're going to hear from her, her preaching in a few weeks. I, th- I think you're up in a few weeks or maybe in the end of September. I don't know. And then we have Desmond Cook preaching. He came to the first service today, but he's preaching uh, in a little bit too. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited about that as, as we get going on in August and everything. I said this the last couple weeks and I, I really, I said again the first time, I was like, man, I mean it so much. I cannot thank you guys enough, before I get into today's teaching, I cannot thank you guys enough for really just coming together and like pursuing God together. You know, ministry has a lot of ups and it's got a lot of downs. It's got some high highs. It's got some low lows. Nothing motivates me more than being here in this moment and sitting here looking at y'all and just realizing people have chosen to take a break from their busyness, their life making money, relationship, whatever, to come here to look for God together. And like, it really motivates me to just give this thing everything I've got every single week. And so I cannot thank you enough for that. Like, it really blesses me. I remember when we kind of were rebounding from COVID and we couldn't fill up one service a couple years ago. And then we filled up one service and we started overflowing one service. And those of you that were been around for a while, then we're like, hey, let's go to two services. And just to be filling up two services in the summer, I'm like, okay, like I know this year we're going to have to go to three services. And it's going to be a night service, so it'll be kind of fun. We'll, we'll have some snacks and some wine, you know, from Costco, balling on a budget. But it'll be fun. Like, like I'm like, hey, this is going to be great. Like, God is doing something. And, and it's just kind of beautiful. It's refreshing. And so I guess one more time, give it for yourselves. Like, I thank you guys for making the effort to pause in the craziness of your week and be like, I am going to make the search for God important in my life. And, and that's beautiful. It motivates my wife and I, and, and I, I can't thank you enough. All right, so today we are going to talk repentance. We are going to talk what is biblical repentance as we wrap up this series on holiness, which I know chatting repentance is maybe not the sexiest thing, which is why I went all Miami Vice on y'all today so you'd pay attention anyway. Uh, I am grieving the loss of my mustache, though. My wife made me shave it this week. She goes, I can't take it. So either the mustache goes or I do. So I'm like, okay, like, all right, I'll get rid of it. But I miss it already. And uh, I'm like grieving the loss of a friend right now. I miss, I, I miss my stash. So maybe I'll bring him back next summer, maybe. Like, she's like, grow a beard. If I grow a beard, I look like a Civil War general, though. Like, I look, I'm like too old now to grow a beard and make it look cool. I'm like, no, I look, I look too old now when I grow a big beard. So anyway, maybe we'll try that. 
All right, man. Let's go to Romans chapter 6, guys, this morning. Romans chapter 6. Thank you for being here. Thank you for making God's Word a priority in your life. Romans chapter 6. It's, it's a few verses I want to read this morning, but it's all, it's all so good. And this is Paul talking to the young church at Rome. So Romans is, I mean, one of my favorite books, obviously, in the Bible. It's an, it's an incredible book. I don't even know if we would understand Christianity without Paul and his writings. And it just, it's, he brings so much to the table. So he writes to this young church, and <clears throat> he says, Guys, what, what can I say then? Should we continue to sin that God's kindness should increase? Uh, that's unthinkable. As far as sin is concerned, we've died. How can we live in it under sin's influence anymore? Don't you know that all of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? Uh, when we were baptized into his death, we were placed into the tomb with him. As Christ was brought back from death to life by the glorious power of the Father, so we too should live a new kind of life. Uh, we become united with him in a death like his. Certainly, we're also going to be united when we come back to life as he did. We know that the person we used to be was crucified with him and put to an end to the sin in our bodies. Amen. The person we used to be has been crucified with Christ. That person is gone. Because of this, we're no longer slaves to sin. The person who has died has been freed from sin. Verse 8, and I love this. Uh, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ who was brought back to life, will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once and for all to sin's power. Now he lives, and he lives for God. So consider yourselves dead to sin's power, but living for God and the power of Christ Jesus that he gives you. Therefore, never let sin rule your physical body so that you obey it in its desires. Never offer any part of your body to sin's power. No part of your body should ever be used to do any ungodly thing. Instead, offer yourselves to God as people who've come back from death and are now alive. Offer all the parts of your body to God. Use them to do everything that God approves of. Certainly sin shouldn't have any power over you because you're not controlled by God's laws, but by God's favor. Oh, I love that, by God's, by God's grace. Let me jump down now to verse 21. What did you gain by doing those things, speaking about your past life? You're ashamed of what you used to do because it ended in death. Now you've been freed from sin and become God's slaves. This results in a holy life and finally an everlasting life. The payment for sin is death, but the gift that God freely gives is everlasting life found in Christ Jesus our Lord. What's amazing is the New Testament is full of talking about this repentance, this turning from sin and coming back to God. Um, I want to use my wife as an illustration really quick. So she didn't know I was going to do this, but uh, I'm going to use you real quick. I'm not going to make you do anything crazy, I promise. You gave me a look like you, you're going to pay for this later if you do anything to me. But my wife and I are, are connected. We're connected in relationship, right? If my wife walks away, go ahead and just walk away over there, okay? Did, did I leave or did my wife leave? Right? She left. Okay. So repentance then is turning and returning. This is what the Bible talks about repentance. It is a, it's a turning and a returning. Why would she have to turn and return? Because she's the one that walked away. So many of us walk away from God and then we want God to come to us. But the Bible says, because we're the ones that walked away, this is why the call to repent is on us, not God. God never left holy. He never left love. He never left goodness. He never left honesty, right? He never left purity. We did. And so the Bible says we all have sinned. 
So we've all walked away. So repentance is turning and returning, coming back. Now, in real life, if my wife left me, I would just pack my bags and go with her. You know, I'd be like, I'm tired of this crap. Let's get out of here. You know, like, anyway, you can sit down. Thank you so much. But that's repenting. It is turning and, and returning. It's recognizing the relationship I walked away from, and now I'm, I'm coming back into it. John the Baptist, right, like, what's he famous for? He's like, yo, the kingdom of God is coming. Repent and get baptized. Come back. Jesus, when he begins to preach a couple chapters later, let's show a couple chapters later, what does he say? Repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. And Peter, when he kicks off this famous sermon in Acts to kick off the entire church, right, he's like, y'all, repent and believe. In other words, recognize we walked away. I want you to turn and return. A couple quotes for us real quick. The Lexham Dictionary, I love this, is repentance is the act whereby one turns from their sin, their idolatry, the rebellion, and turns to God in faith, right? You can make an idol out of anything, right? We think of idolatry as like a, a little wooden statue, but man, you can make an idol out of the gram, right? You can, you can make an idol out of, out of shoes. You can make an idol out of women. You, you can make an idol out of money, right? I mean, people certainly do. You can make an idol out of anything, right? An idol is anything you place above God. An idol is where you get your strength from. An idol is what you run to when you're hurt. Oh, come on, come on. Some of us, we make an idol out of the bottle, right? And it's like we run to that because we're hurt when we could run to the Holy Spirit. I like this Wayne Grudem, one of my favorite theologians. He said, a heartfelt sorrow for sin, a renouncing of it, a sincere commitment to forsake it and walk in obedience to Christ. There's an honesty to our faith. There's an honesty to repentance. I like what John MacArthur says, and he said, which I think is so true, he's like, there can be no true saving faith without genuine repentance in the sense of a commitment to forsake sin and walk in obedience. I I think one of the most dangerous things about growing up maybe in America or or the Western world is very easy to know about God and not know God. So I grew up in a Christian home. By the time I was kind of like becoming a junior high kind of kid, my mom kind of rededicated her life to Jesus. And I knew about God. You know, I know about President Biden, but I do not know President Biden. If I tried to call President Biden, the Secret Service would be calling me back, okay? Like, like I can't go knock on the door of the White House and schedule a meeting. There's no relationship. I know about, but I don't know. And I grew up in a Christian home, and so I heard about God. I heard about Jesus. I heard about the gospel, but I didn't know God. And for years of my life, I did not want to be in relationship with God. I did not want to be in church, right? I was like, yo, I don't want nothing to do with this. And I remember one time my mom, <clears throat> she was praying for me, and she prayed for me for years. And, and she said, I was praying for you, and God told me you're going to be a pastor, and you're going to preach this gospel, and you're going to travel the world, and you're going to preach in other countries, which we've already done and probably will start doing when our kids get a little bit older again. And uh, I was like, there is no way I'm going to be a pastor. And I told my mom this. I was like in eighth grade. I was like, pastors don't have money, and they don't have women. There ain't no way I am going to be a pastor. <laughs> This is a true story. I think my mom slapped me up for that one. But I, and, and she kept praying for me and kept praying for me. Like it says here in Romans 6, man, we all live our life a certain way, but the end is kind of like this death and this destruction, and it just doesn't go well, and it's just like, and so at 17 years old, I'm struggling with suicidal thoughts. I can't find the meaning of life. I'm just miserable. I'm giving myself everything I want, and I am bankrupt on the inside. You know, the Bible says that sin is pleasurable for a season. Some people's season runs out at 17. Sometimes it's 34. Sometimes it's 63. 
I don't know how long the season is a pleasure, but at some point it runs out and then it's just death and destruction on the inside. There's the, pen, the payment of sin is just this death and you can just feel it on you. And so I was like, God, at 17 years old, I'm like, God, if you're real and you love me, I need to know. Y'all, this is the first time in my life that I went from mentally knowing about God to making an honest step to knowing God. James says that even the demons believe in God and tremble. The demons have mental knowledge of God's existence, and it terrifies them, but they don't have relationship with God. They're not trusting in Jesus. They don't have faith. Genuine faith opens the door to relationship. And because the heart is there to come close, the willingness to turn is also present. Right? It's like there's a, this is the honesty of our faith. I think the modern world has probably done us all a bit of a disservice to New Testament Christianity saying that we can know about God and say a prayer and then do whatever we want. I just actually don't see that in the Bible, and I have to be an honest pastor with you. Right? Like, when I get to heaven one day, God's going to be like, did you actually teach the word or you just tried to motivate everybody? That's what I'm going to hear. I do want to motivate you. <laughs> I want you to like me. I want you to leave encouraged. But I also have to feed you the Bible. Okay? Now, whatever you do with it, well, that's on you and Jesus, okay? <laughs> and don't just do something because I said it. Make sure it's actually in this book, okay? My wife will say, I say crazy things too. Okay, so, you know, you can check me with the Bible too. But I think there's this reality where we perhaps have lost some of the honesty of our faith in this modern experience. That would have been very, very foreign to New Testament believers. And so at 17, I go from knowing about God and hearing about God to making an honest step in my heart and a willingness to repent for the first time in my life. And I'll tell you this, when you make a decision to get real with God in your heart, God will get real with you. God is waiting on you to get real. And when you make a step to say, well, you know, I've been going my own way for like 10 years, 5 years, 20 years, but I'm willing to stop and turn, God will start coming running towards you. Like he's, he's not, you know, we, we think we're in trouble when we get caught. No, no, we were in trouble when we committed that thing, right? We were in trouble when we believed the lie. We were in trouble when we ran down that thing. And God's goodness will often arrest your heart so that you will turn and come back to him, right, and get back with him. I've been in ministry for 20 years now which is wild. I started pastoring my first church, small country church, when I was a senior in college. I have had the opportunity as a pastor and leader and, and just being in this thing for so long. Like, I have heard a lot of testimonies. I mean, some amazing, amazing stories. I've heard testimonies of people trying to take their own life and the gun didn't go off. I've heard of people down on a whole thing of pills and it didn't kill them and it totally should have. I've witnessed God's healing power. I've seen marriages restored that were like broken by affairs and just seemed completely impossible. I've watched families get healthy and whole under the banner of Jesus. I, I've, I've seen financial miracles. I've watched God give us financial miracles as a church, as, as favor, like God doing things that I just didn't even think were possible. I've seen God do it. I've gone on trips. I've seen the power of deliverance. Like I'm like, God, I have seen a lot. But the greatest miracle I've ever seen is when you arrest the human heart and they realize they've been going the wrong way. 
the greatest miracle of this whole thing is when someone comes to Christ and repents. And they are tired of knowing about God and they're ready to know God. The hardest thing for God to get is the human heart. You know, we think the hardest thing for God to get is money in our pocket. If I ask 90%, what's the problem? Rent. Rent, Pastor. That's the problem. I need more money. Right? But the hardest thing for God to get is your heart. It's hard. It is the greatest miracle is when he arrests our hearts. The sooner you surrender your heart to him, the faster and better it's going to go. It just will. But like the children of Israel, y'all, you can go around that mountain as many times as you want. The children of Israel took an 11-day journey and turned it into 40 years. Because even though that God delivered them from Egypt, they couldn't get Egypt out of their heart. God delivered them from bondage, but they couldn't get bondage out of their heart. And so God's like, okay, that's great. I delivered you physically. Now I got to deliver you spiritually, mentally, and emotionally. And that is a journey. And if we need to walk around the mountain again, we can. Because for me to get you to here, we got to get through this first. For God to get you into a real, life-giving, loving, breathtaking relationship with him, he's got to get you to realize what you're doing that broke the thing from the first place and get you to surrender that. Because here's what we all do with God. We get hurt and then we just start building walls. Right? God, don't touch that area of my life. You can have this, but don't you dare take that, right? Like, okay, fine, pastor talked about giving. I'll give, but don't you dare take this, right? And we all do this in different ways, don't we? We're all broken in different places, and so we're all like, yo, God, you can have this part of my life, but you can't get anywhere to that. God's like, that's awesome. Let's just go another trip around the mountain again. It's cool. I got time. Here's the thing. God has time. We don't. God has time. I don't. If I get 50 more years here, that might even be too much. I'm like, how long do I want to live? I don't want to make it to 100. I should have ate more ice cream, you know? Like, that's too far. He's got time. And he is, I've said this before, and I feel like saying it again, he is an oven God. He is not a microwave. You do not get to push a button and violate this process. He will put you in that oven, and he will bake you until you're fully cooked. And a fully cooked heart is a surrendered heart. This thing of repentance, this started my relationship with him, and honestly, this keeps my relationship with him. I've never known a Christian that got saved and then did it perfectly right after that. Why? Because you were going one wrong way, and you turn, you come back to God, and you know what? You're like, yo, the club did look good. Like, I'm going to go back over here. Like, it's like we go another way, and it's like we go another way. We have this thing inside of us, right, where it's like even though we know it's right, it just doesn't feel right. Isn't that funny about us? Like, I know the right thing to do, but I don't want to do it. And the thing that I know is wrong, well, that's what I want to do. So what do we got to do? God, I got to come back and I got to re-surrender my heart. I wonder this morning if there's not some hearts in here that need to re-surrender. You know, if it's been a long time since you felt the presence of God or heard the voice of God, that's just, let that be an internal question. How did I get so far away again? Why did I let the anxiety get so overwhelming in my mind again? You know, like, what, what should I probably lay down and come back to? Because a relationship with him is already blessed. You cannot get to a full life without him. 
because he is the God of life and he is the God of love. You cannot love your neighbor without him. You cannot experience the full blessed life without him. He just because that's who he is. And often the farther we get from him, the farther we get from peace because he is the God of peace. Right? He just, these are his attributes. They just kind of flow from him. Distance from him often creates a lot of other things. And so he's like, that's great. I love you, but you got to come back. And we'll go around this mountain as many times as you want. My wife and I were talking about somebody we've known for years. We love this person with all of our hearts. And every time she gets it right, she does something else. And I'm like, this joker's been saved for like 10 years. And I told her, like, we talked to her a few months ago. I said, you know, you can go around that mountain as many times as you want. And they're like, I know, I know, I know. And they do it right for three weeks. And then guess what? Back around the mountain. I'm like, I can hardly wait for the next conversation. I'm like, we did another trip. And this person, I'm not down on this person. I've been in their life for a long time. I've discipled them. My wife and I have cared for them a lot. So, like, we know. I think the question for yourself today is, how many times do you want to go around the mountain before you get to the promised land? Because i got to be honest, guys, that's more up to us than it is God. God's like, I will take you there in 11 days and bless your socks off. I'll defeat all the enemies. I will clear everything up. My blessing's on you. Bada bing, bada boom. But Egypt is still in your heart, and, and you got to make the decision to get rid of that, not him. God will do his part, but you got to bring the surrendered heart. And until you're like me at 17, until you're ready to get real with him, he's kind of just sitting back chilling, waiting for that moment. He really is. And then even after you're a believer, listen, you can keep all the things you want to keep, and God can tell you and tell you and tell you and tell you, but he, he can't get you to where he really wants you to go until you're willing to surrender those things. I don't know why I'm going this way. I don't mean to be hard on you. It's like, yo, pastor, I thought you were grateful for me, and we're here to see God. I'm like, you know, you're depressing me. Okay. But there is an honesty to this faith. I think a toxic message that has crept in the body of Christ is that we can say a prayer and then live however we want. I just cannot find that in the New Testament. I find this very real concept. He is my Savior and my Lord, and I give him my life, and I am now following him for his glory. And my job is to trust and surrender and follow And as I do that, I get to see him be God in my life. Amen. With all eyes closed for a moment, all heads bowed. This morning, if you're in here and today just kind of impacted you in the right way, we are not a condemning church. I'm not down on you. I ain't coming for you. I'm not scrolling through your Instagram to see what you're doing. But this moment is about you and him. And this morning, if you're here and you're like, you know what, I I want an honest walk with him, and you want to turn and return in some ways, would you just lift your hand real quick? I'm not calling you out. We're not bringing you down. We're not going to embarrass you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. This is great. It's a whole chunk of us. I love it. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we all want honesty in our relationships. We love it when people are honest with us. So we're going to start today by being honest with you. Lord, I pray for everybody that lifted their hand today. They're surrendering. They're turning. They're laying something down. They don't, they don't want to have a hard heart towards you. They, they want the realness of this thing. So, Father, I thank you that you've seen their heart. Would you fill them today with your Holy Spirit and your power? Lord, would you help all of us live for you to give you glory? And, Lord, would you just restore the honesty of this faith back to the church here in America? 
God, would you do like a miracle in our generation and would you restore the honesty of this entire thing in our generation where we might love you and love other people, that we might have an honest faith in front of others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Would you give it up for like those eight, nine people that lifted their hand this morning? Thanks again for checking out our podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. Share with a few friends. Thanks for helping us make Jesus famous right here in South Florida. Again, if you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love to see you sometime. Or as always, visit us online, citylift.church. Have an amazing day.